Well, hello and welcome to the Ramon Foster Show, brought to you by the good people at the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where they are open 24-7 and serving hot, fresh food. Ramon, greetings from Bradenton, Florida, spring home of the Pirates. I've heard so much about it, man, and I've yet to go. Why? Because I had a job that probably wouldn't allow that. Going to Bradenton during training camp is something I definitely want to do, DK. So as much as you probably think of it as work, I really want to be a part of. Can we do this together one one year? We can, especially when RJ's pitching for the old buckos. How about that? Uh, it just better be good, and he better be good. <laughs> can he be a franchise-saving pitcher, first baseman, whatever he chooses to do? He can here. Be- He can hear, but that's enough of the baseball commentary. Uh, Moan, let's talk about, as we promised yesterday, the offensive line and how it's shaking up for this year. I have never heard the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers sound more vague and nebulous than he did this week in saying, well, we've got three guys who can play center. We'll just see how it goes. Mason Cole can play center and did so Mm -hmm. for the Vikings. Uh James Daniels can play center. Did so with the Bears. Uh, Kendrick Green. J.C. has. I had to get his four centers. So how do you do this? How do you enter even OTAs with this Mm -hmm. kind of setup? Well, there's a lot that goes into it. Coach T, man, as I told you before, is a very mental guy when it comes down to, man, what can I do to get the max out of my team? And I think this is what that is. I do think they like Kendrick Green. I do think that a lot. You don't draft a kid that early, give him the number 53 who's been worn, that's been worn by multiple guys that play that position very well, and you just have him sit on the bench. No, no, no. You don't do those things. I think what they're trying to do, and I think the best outcome of what they want to do is this. I think they want to force Kendrick Green to grow up I think they want to show him look it was all peachy and beautiful when you came in and you're light-skinned and got the curly hair like Marquise had when he came in and people kind of related you to look like him and be like him and wanted you to be as athletic as him and you kind of fell into a starting job DK one thing Pouncey didn't do he didn't fall into a starting role he knocked a vet out, honestly, a vet who had just helped his team at the time, wasn't too far removed from helping his team win a Super Bowl, Justin Hartwig. We can't forget about that. So I think the addition of, of Mason Cole, I think the addition of James Daniel, and also having J.C. Hausner, who even last year, Ben said he liked J.C., you know, when working with him, that was on record of something that was said to him and and about him. And now they got him in, a, in an exclusive rights contract, which means at least for anything, you're probably going to see him in camp. Now, Kendrick is probably going to make this roster again because I don't think they'll draft a guy that soon, that early and not make the team. But they're going to force him, if for anything, to add some depth to or to either grow up and grow up as a pro, grow up in your offseason conditioning this year, be strong enough, be mentally aware enough. All of those things are going to happen because, to your point, Mason Cole can play. James Daniels can play. It's proven that J.C. Hausner can play also. And not just yet, the one that I, I think if we're ranking those four guys that can have the potential to compete for that position at, at starting center, I think we put in Kendrick Glass. Well, let's let's keep it real on Kendrick then, because the funny thing that, that I hear about from a lot of people is, well, he's not as big as Marquise, so he was going to get knocked around, whatever else. Right, dude. Their height and weight are virtually identical. Yeah. Okay. So what was it 
Okay, you're the offensive lineman here. What was it that you saw from Kendrick Green on a regular basis that had him getting knocked around? I think, honestly, he was still a little lost. I think the idea of him learning the technique and how to play NFL linemen, uh, I don't know if he fully grasped that. And I'm not blaming Clem. I'm not blaming anybody behind that other than the fact that, look, you got to be a pro. You're not in college anymore as far as, oh, I got class and I got to go home. No, whatever it takes to actually stay after practice to work on bags or giving maximum effort and practice against a Cam, against a tool when he's out there, against a Tyson, a Lua Lua, whoever else is over him. He got to take advantage of those reps. And I don't necessarily know if that was the case as far as the understanding of what was expected. Again, uh, Kendrick Green is listed 6'4", 315. And honestly, I think he may be a little bit smaller, but if that's his playing weight, Marquise Pouncey was never, listen to me, Marquise Pouncey was never 315. Marquise hovered at a run, his highest may have been 310 when he first got into the league. Marquise played at about, I don't think he have an issue with me saying this. I think Marquise 285, 290, maybe 295, 300. Maybe DK, like we're not talking about a heavy dude. If Kendrick is 315, that is a, a worse problem than it is now with me seeing this stat line, DK. Pounce was never that. Well, so again, yeah. it forces him to grow up faster and understand the urgency of what's in front of him. He can be see, a backup player real quick. See, that's the funny thing about Kendrick is when you look at him, he has kind of like this barrel-chested, stocky appearance mm-hmm. where he looks mm-hmm. top-heavy. So as, you, as you're picturing this, even in like a, a cartoonish way, he can get toppled over because he's top heavy. Whereas Marquise was much more evenly distributed. Yeah. Marquise just Marquise looked like somebody who if he'd lined up a tight end, nobody would have batted an eyelash. No, absolutely. You know what not, I'm saying? But- let, let's but, go to the other two guys while okay, we have ahead. time yeah, in this I segment. I go on on that I one. I know about that. Mason Cole. <laughs> and the got, other thing, too, Pounce adamantly worked on his strength. Yes. It was a pride thing to him. Yep. Mason okay, go Cole ahead. got a lot of money. James Daniels got a lot more money. Yeah. Will that influence who ends up being the choice at center? Because I don't think, with all due respect to the lifelong guard, yeah. there's any question about which position is more valuable. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, you said, will he get the nod at center? Uh, pro- probably. I'll say this. It's probably quicker than what Kendrick got going on right now. And, and I'll say this, too, about either one of them, uh, James Daniels, too. Um, I, I got a real good friend of mine here in Hendersonville who's a Chicago Bears fan. And he was like, I'm going to be real. I hate that y'all got James Daniels. He's super uh, – he's like, y'all stole a guy from us that could have really built up our – or built up our offensive line. James Daniels is highly spoken of, and I watched some of his film too. The kid knows he, well, knows what he's doing. It, but when it comes to Mason Cole, that question, I'd probably give the nod to him simply because of those things. And by the way, Mason Cole's 6'5", 298 is what he's listed at. Yeah, that, that's the thing. <laughs> by the way, James Daniels, when, as long as we're talking about builds and so forth – has a Marquise type build to him. You know, what I'm saying? You know who and, I thought? Hmm. Kelvin Beecham at guard. Oh, I, I can see that. As, Beach, well, I, mean, I say the way he moves. Beach Beach had weight on him, more yeah. weight than 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 these guys do than what we're talking about. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying here. Look, one way or another, I feel like they're going to have to have at least something in the back of their head before they get to OTAs. Uh, that yep. doesn't mean you won't have different guys try. You won't have different guys take snaps. 
uh, you know, particularly with new quarterbacks and everything else involved here. But man, it's it's that's going to be an interesting storyline uh, in yeah. and of itself. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about minority hiring, which has been big, big, big in the NFL news this week. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. And Ramon, your old friend Bruce Arians uh, called it quits today uh, after a a long and pretty fascinating career, to say the least. First of all, your thoughts on that before we get into the minority hiring repercussions of that in Tampa. I would probably almost think that uh, quarterbacks have a huge say-so when it comes down to what they want to do and who they want to play with, even coaches at times. I will not say that that Tom Brady didn't have an effect on Bruce Aarons probably bowing out a little bit too because Bruce Bruce Aarons is a, is a fair guy, but he's a tough guy to play for. And I'm not saying Tom couldn't handle that. What I'm, I'm saying is uh, it seems to me that that team's going to flow a little bit easier with having Todd Bowles there. Not that he's a pushover, but I think Bruce Arians' methods, we, we spoke about this a little bit, and I replied to a comment about um, – ruling with an iron fist type of coaching style. You know, B.A. is a great friend and and a great coach when it comes down to it, but the flow of a locker room sometimes when you got that thumb on people's neck kind of interrupts it a little bit. And I think that probably was one of the reasons why Tom got out of uh, New England. Um, But again, two times coach of the year in eight years as a head coach. That doesn't happen. Two Super Bowl rings as a after retirement, Moan. After yeah. retirement, yeah, two times. <laughs> as a matter of fact, that day I tip my hat for his method, and I'll say this about BA: BA has seen to being a culture changer, at least to set it up, and then somebody else takes over. When he left, Kingsbury got the job. Now Kingsbury is flourishing in, in Arizona with what they've got, and potentially, I know people feel a certain way about Kingsbury, and now we're looking at what Tampa was before Bruce Arians got there, and now what it is. And even before that, let's go to when he was in, interim coach, when Pagano had uh, his his cancer you know, uh, diagnosis. B.A. kind of revamped that culture in, in, in Indianapolis, too. So a head coach two times in eight, uh, coach of the year two times in eight years, that's that's a huge-ass resume, man. I want to hear something wild as it relates to the minority hiring thing. Uh, Todd Bowles, of course, now becomes the second uh, yeah. African-American head coach in the NFL, along with you-know-who. And yeah. in the in the process, uh, it, it's, it's unclear as to what impact it has on all of the things that we heard about at the NFL owners meetings, the different Mm -hmm. steps that they want to take. They want to get offensive guys involved because offensive guys tend to become head coaches. They're mandating offensive assistants have a minority component. Yeah. Um, And then I find out today that even if you promote from within as Tampa did and you promote a minority to a, a, to a head coaching position, you're still required to review external minority candidates. Really? Really, right? Now, on on one hand, I I can see where I get that because interviews always look good on a resume and you might be be building up the resume for somebody else in the process, but there's got to be some common sense applied here too, you know? It it, it does, man. And uh, again, if they were going to do that too, if they were interviewing anybody else, I mean – 
they got two head coaches on that roster. I think very, very soon uh, uh, Byron Leftwich is going to be a head coach too. So I think the order and how they're doing it. So it, here's my, my, my take, and it's a deeper conversation to be had about minority hiring and hiring of black coaches and stuff like that. I, I think if we, we, we talk about a lot of stuff. We're speaking about life, people, general. You know me and I know you, DK. I, I enjoy all people. I don't care where you are. Short, tall, big, fat, small, don't matter. Ball, hairy, don't matter, okay? I'm a fan of people. And I think when we speak about, I think when we speak about hiring a minority coaches and stuff like that, people kind of feel cringy about it, like we're not supposed to talk about it. No, no, no. I think in all of these things, man, it comes down to fairness. If a person deserves a job, it should be fair on how we do this. Ty Balls, I don't think he should have got fired with the Jets. And I'm glad he's getting a job right now. With all people of color, man, it's about fairness. And, and, necess- and, and I think it's about the representation of what the holistic business is. The NFL is full of black guys. It's full of white guys, too. And there is no problem amongst the players with that. It's just the optics 80%. of it is. The, 80, the optics 80% of it black at the player level. Yep. Is, is, is why aren't there more? Why are they just assistant coaches? Why can't nobody, you know, lead the, the, the lead a team or an organization? And I know we had the conversation about, you know, th- th- there has to be a black owner. Well, don't just gift me something. Let me be very qualified for it. And, and, and I take it from you. That's my point on, on the the hiring of of coaches, not just in the NFL. I'm just saying in life, if there's a black person that deserves a job, give it to them, you know, or if they're a little bit less qualified, it's got to be justified. But, you know, like I know, there's been plenty of situations where people have gotten things more often because it's easier to give it to them. It's about opportunity. It's about opportunity, opportunity more than anything else. When we come back, a lively Submission for Haymo. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. It's time for the Haymon segment, and today's comes from Brian, and it's 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 pretty straightforward. He says, "Hey Moan, as a fan, I think having training camp in Latrobe is cool. It just makes it more personal. What do the players actually think about it?" Oh. I love it. We loved it. I, I thought it was one of those cool moments where you get an opportunity to get away and it's just you and f- you and football, you football and the fans, you know, and we never looked as, oh, we got to go back to Latrobe. I think everybody hates their destination at the end of training camp, though. So if you saw us a little agitated at the Walmart at Dino's and Sharky's or something like that, that was because we were just tired of camp and wanted to get back to our own homes. But I enjoyed the drive out the Latrobe, as the locals call it. And um, it was it was very cool, man. The day to day grind of and this is the other part that was pretty cool, too, is the fact that you really putting on a performance daily in front of people. And whether you had a good day or a bad day, I don't care if it was you or any of your colleagues, DK, that reported to training camp. The fact that you were there daily and had to report on it. And not only that, you have a bunch of like people that created blog sites that reported daily, too. So if I had a bad day and you missed the rep, somebody else at training camp was like, oh, Foster had a bad day today, you know? Yeah, it makes a difference, too. For anybody who's never been out to Latrobe, the, the main practices, the seven on sevens and so forth, uh, they happen on what's known as Chuck Knoll Field, which has yeah. a full grandstand. It's where the St. Vincent College Bearcats play their games. And 
you are right there. And the reactions wow. that the crowd has are <laughs> akin to a high school football game. When somebody makes a great catch or whatever, yeah. they'll ch- they actually will cheer, even yeah. though these are just drills. Yeah. Uh, and that goes double whenever it's goal line and, and, and things oh like that. It's an amazing atmosphere. Let me play devil's advocate, though, here with you. All right, go ahead. I have a feeling this might be, without speaking for Brian, why he asked. Brian uh, would know that there hasn't been, yeah. as you do, uh, training camps in St. Vincent College for the last couple of years. Right. Now, because there hasn't been, there's a certain generation you know, the last couple of years that never had it out there. And Eric Ebron was one of those people that went public saying, you know, don't want to go back or don't want to go out there because he was never out there. Juju even kind of hinted at it a little bit. And that's why I'm kind of wondering how the players would feel about it. Yeah, I see your face there. Uh, I love it. It's a part of what Pittsburgh does, just like the Cowboys go to California to hold their training camp. Okay, like we know this to be true. You have nothing but football there. You know, I'm a football guy and I'm not saying those dudes aren't. But at at Latrobe, you get an opportunity to do nothing but ball. I got a chance to watch some series, some documentaries that I never would get to watch because I was just there for that. I got better at Madden. I got better friends with my teammates. I got better just understanding of what the game was, just looking out and being able to see my teammates out there. The convenience of it also was cool. Like, I know the dorm rooms aren't just, it's just a, it's not a five-star hotel, but if I can rent a bed, if I can get my TV there, if I can get my fridge, I got the trainers right down the, right down the hallway. At any point in time, there's something going on with me. I know when Ben was going to his room, Marquise was my roommate right next door. We shared a bathroom together that you learn a lot about a person. He was a very clean person. I'm a very clean person. Anybody that came in our bathroom and, and, and left it un, unsettled, we were going to find out who it was. So it was a bunch of those things that you had the opportunity to do, man. Like uh, for if I was to come out of retirement right now, one, one of the clauses in my contract, are we doing practice in Latrobe? Nice. <laughs> you know? Nice. Well, tell the truth here. Ben and Troy had penthouses, didn't they? Yeah, they like did. lavish penthouses. That's what I'm picturing. I'm not, I'm not even bringing AB into the equation because AB probably built his own penthouse on top of Sharky's. But I'm, I'm talking about like right there on campus. Yeah, absolutely. Right in the dorm room. King side bed. He, they didn't have sweet mates on their side. I had Marquise on my side. Okay. And, and, and Dave and Gil. I mean, uh, yeah, Dave and Gil, uh, Dave and DeCastro, Dave and Al had, they were sweet mates and stuff like that. And, but Ben and Troy, they had their own side, two rooms basically with a yeah, little rocking chair. <laughs> we reporters like, are very observant. We watched how after practice they would walk up a different way yeah, from everyone else. Absolutely. But it was but you, beautiful to just, the, 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 it is a beautiful thing to just be in a football only aspect. And that's what Latrobe does for you. It builds up a team, a journey. It bur- builds up a, dog, don't get me started. I could go on this forever. You, you want to sit good. back and have a cigar that's and a drink and I just good. tell you everything about it, DK? That's good. We will do, uh, well, we can do that with, uh, you know, with the, the people who pay attention to this program, right? Uh, if they keep asking, we might have to do report day and what that means too. There you go. We can do that. Well, let's let's do another Ramon show tomorrow. I'm gonna go ahead and cover this here baseball game that's about to start in front of me. Hey, have a ball. Get it? I get it. That's really good. 